All right. So welcome, Rita. And Hi, I'm um, Julie. I'm yeah. Go ahead, Julie. You want to introduce yourself? I can turn my video for like a second. Yeah. <laughs> There's all kinds of massive confusion um, going on in the background. So thank you, Rita. Um, I how, what am I introducing myself? Uh, I have yeah. eight kids. Awesome. Um, I homeschool four of them, and four of them are in school. Um, my oldest is 16, and my youngest is two. Wow, very cool. That's awesome. Nice to meet you, Julie. Nice to meet you. Sarah, are you able to talk? Um, yeah, I have to go wipe someone on the potty right away. But um, <laughs> I have four kids. My oldest is 10, and my youngest is two. Awesome. Very cool. Nice to meet you, Sarah. And they're all home with me. So <laughs> chaos here, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have I have five. And as you guys know, in 18 to five. And Rita, you said you have five also? I do. Yeah, I have five kiddos that um, my oldest is almost 14. Um, I have one boy and then four girls. Um, and my youngest is almost two also. So um, something we have in common, Sarah and Julie. Um, and we also homeschool our five kiddos. And it was for sure that whole like, all right, y'all just be upstairs and don't stop and be really loud. Yeah. <laughs> be yeah. The baby's napping in my office room. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, yes, for sure. I get all that craziness and I love it. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and how long have you been doing these kind of fertility consultations with women? Did it start as just what you were doing accidentally? Um, well, no, it, it really was. I mean, it's nothing short of led by the Holy spirit. Like when I first, um, I, I can go way back to when my husband and I got engaged and we, um, we did our first, uh, we learned the through the couple of cup league, the symptothermal method of charting. And when we went through that, we really loved it. We felt really passionate about it. And we thought someday we're going to teach just like them, right? Um, looking at our teachers. And then, you know, fast forward, um, I guess it was, it was almost 10 years later and we were like, just never had the right time. We were promoter couples. We kind of tried to spread the word and evangelize with NFP. And then, um, the Lord just made it really obvious actually for me to, I started learning about the Creighton model and how it was different. Um, mm -hmm. and so up to that point, we had just kind of been open to life and kind of confused and not really sure what we were doing with NFP most of the time. And then when we started, I actually started learning the charting for myself. At the same time, I started learning to teach it. Um, and that really was a game changer for us. So I've been teaching it now for um, just over seven years. And throughout the course of that time, it's kind of evolved even more. Um, so we lived in one area. Um, we were very supported with NFP and I worked with some great NAPRO doctors who were very interested in like functional medicine and trying some unique protocols that you don't always find. And then when we moved to um, where we live now, we live in the Cincinnati area. Um, I didn't have that like warm, comforting um, community around me. And so I felt like I had to forge my own way a bit more, even though we do have some local NAPRO doctors, it just felt like um, the, the joke with the Cincinnati area is because we have the Ohio river cutting off Ohio and Kentucky and we're in Kentucky. And so it's like a different world on the other side of the river. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I really felt like I was forging my own way. 
And then I started to have my own health issues and I found a lot of help and support through functional medicine. And so it was about that time that I was, you know, as you're looking at charts and you see these different issues coming up again and again, that you start to wonder, like, I know so much about these, this charting and there's so many different things I would see if women ate from like the standard American diet to like a whole foods, they would have radically different cycles, um, oh. like instantaneously. So I started to see more of these things and, you know, knowing my own scope of practice, I wasn't supposed to get into any of that. Um, <laughs> you know, I would occasionally like, oh, there's this supplement. This might help you, right? Like mm-hmm. you should try to eat this way. It's a little better. Um, so I really just, I, that was when I went, um, so I got healing for my own health journey. We actually had um, our fifth baby. So between number four and number five, we have almost five years um, in between those two. And so at that time, when I had a newborn baby, I was like, now's the time for another certification. And that's when I got trained in nutritional therapy, um, which has been really beautiful to marry Mm -hmm. these two things, the charting along with a lot of these inflammatory markers. Um, So it's been really- You got trained to kind of look at the labs, but not as like a naturopath, but more as like kind of a, just a, a on your own certification. Yeah. So the, the nutritional therapy paradigm is a lot of, and, and I love so much what you're doing, Jen, because I, I see like, it's such a beautiful extension to doing the same thing. Uh, but their paradigm is really supporting the foundations of health and seeing things like our reproductive health as a consequence of a foundational imbalance. Um, so for example, like um, digestion is obviously very foundational to our overall health, right? So if there's something off with digestion, it's going to impact our thyroid, which is going to impact our sex hormones. Um, so that's why, like, it's so intricate and important to look at that, that whole picture, right? Like mm-hmm. being instilling those healthy habits and, um, and all of that great stuff too, and how that will impact our charting and fertility and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've talked about all of that with our, with our mom's group. Um, awesome. I think Sarah's been able to make it to most of the meetings, Sarah Mori and Sarah Tuttle to some of them. And Julie might have listened to the recordings, but we've, we've talked so much about the thyroid thing, because as you have more more kids, the way I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a per pregnancy risk that you'll have a thyroid thing afterwards. So the more kids you're having, the more likely that you're going to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. About all the selenium and iodine we needed growing up, but most of us didn't. Yeah. So almost guaranteed you're going in behind the curve and then trying. And then of course the inflammation and, um, Food intolerances that tend to accumulate as you get older and then that kind of autoimmunity that tends to accumulate when as you get older and you're busy and stressed and tired. Yes. Yeah. This whole package. And and you know, mo- a lot of moms yeah. I know in their 30s are just um, yeah, they're keeping they keep having to kind of approach it from different angles and find yeah. all the pieces of the puzzle to make it work again. Yes, for sure. And, and it's really hard to try to piece those puzzles together when you don't feel well. If you have brain fog and you struggle to like make dinner for your family and then you're like, oh, I guess I should take this one supplement or try to eat this way. And mm-hmm. it's so hard to make those changes from that place of, um, of a deficit. But I do think that there's a lot also to... Um, I think there's a, there's a few different things that I think of when I think of moms, um, with a lot going on. Um, it, it doesn't necessarily, you know, I think there are things for sure that pregnancy correlates with, but I see this even in women that have just, you know, 
for whatever reason, the Lord only gave them a smaller family. Um, Mm -hmm. But they're, you know, even just the stress of managing the family, the household, the marriage, right? Like trying to prioritize all of these different things. Stress is so minerally expensive. We don't, um, we don't think of that in terms of like, I need to fuel um, to replenish, not just to maintain, right? Mm -hmm. So like, if we had more of that perspective, then it may be easier to make those hard decisions to really eat well and do all the things that we need to be able to have optimal health. Um, I think there's a lot, a lot to that too. And also the mindset piece, right? Um, when we live in these crazy chaotic homes where someone needs to be pooped or wiped and somebody, you know, needs help with their reading lesson and somebody else needs help with their math right now, like they can't just wait till later. And then your mind's somewhere else. Like these, these moments of overwhelm are constant for us, right? We're constantly being bombarded with this. And if we could, Instead, even just shift that to, um, it, I think our, our, you know, snap judgment is to, um, is to snap, right? To um, stop, leave me alone. Nope, I'm helping this child. Instead yeah. of seeing this as, um, as you know, this is, this is this beautiful life we've cultivated and we need to like work on these children one-on-one to help them understand like this is where my mind is right now but also the way that we react to that instead of reacting outwards trying to react inwards more to manage our own mind as opposed to trying to hypermanage them right by by yelling and snapping so I think there's something to that too that really translates into our body um when we have that high anxiety and we have that short fuse, it's going to impact the rest of our body. It's going to, you know, minerals just fling out of our body, right? When we're Mm -hmm. under a lot of stress, like we're not able to um, just come from this place of peace and, and doing those basic things that our body needs all the time, like deep breathing, because we're just living from this place of like living in this fight or flight response. Mm Mm-hmm. So is that, is that kind of the first thing that you tend to tell moms is just the stress even before the nutrition? So they're not Um, like siphoning off minerals. Yeah. um, It is something that I like to help everybody focus on. Um, Mm -hmm. So we do like to do some breathing, deep breathing. It sounds so silly because I I think we so often think of like deep breathing exercises and things as more new agey, right? It feels a little bit more meditative, Um, but, but it's so who we are as faith-filled women also to, to just really reconnect with our bodies and see how Mm -hmm. am I doing? Let's calm back down. Um, So that is a huge piece of it. And honestly, it's something where, um, the mindset piece I almost always work on with women. Um, but yeah, I, I do think like the stress management and the mindset are just as important as what we're fueling with, um, in terms of through our, our mouth. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know, I don't know Julie and Sarah Tuttle systems so well, but I know Sarah has a lot of systems in place because she has 12 kids. So wow, God bless her to manage, but I think you said once you eat lunch alone, do you eat lunch by yourself still? Am I remembering that right? I just thought that was so intriguing if I am remembering. Yeah, I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, <laughs> but just as a as a boundary and then nap time yes. and other other routines. Yeah. But, That's beautiful. Wanting to be very free-spirited, but then seeing that I was going to have these burnout moments if I didn't say no and have quiet time, even just for me, even if the kids didn't need it and very much what Mars and Venus books talk about. He's like, women need 30 minutes twice a day or else they just get, 
they get too amped up and they get too much on yeah. their male side and they're just no fun. And I, I feel that in myself very yes. much. Yes, for sure. Yeah. How many of us get to the end of the day and our husband's done working? And he's like, Hey, let's hang out. And we're like, yeah, like, no fun. <laughs> just give me space. I've been on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Actually. Yeah. For that. I, I don't know. I don't know if this is good advice. A lot of women tell me like, Oh, my husband wants to get romantic. I'm just so tired at the end of the day. And what I've told my friends is take B vitamins after with dinner and gives you a yes. little, and then you feel like, okay, I could do this. I could get my head. <laughs> <laughs> so it's become a little bit of a joke about like, oh, I'll take my vitamins after dinner. Um, yes, I love it. But, well, it makes so yeah. much sense. Yeah, those B vitamins give me all that pep. So. Yeah, yeah. Normally, you know, you want to take them in the morning, but um, yes, yeah. <laughs> so what, do, what, do, what are the what are the foods and um, like? I know you have kind of a program you do for yeah. women. I don't know how yeah. long it is or if it, if it more commonly happens, people come to you for individual consultations or what, but yeah. Yeah. So, um, up to this point, I've only done individual, um, working with people one-on-one. So it's, it's very much a, um, like what specifically is going on with you and your body that you need supported to be supported with. Um, so we look at like the, you know, health history, medical conditions. And then, um, I actually, my favorite way to do this, I do run some labs, but my favorite way to like really dig deeper into what is that, um, you know, is it the thyroid? Is it digestion? Is it something else that needs that like first line of attention, um, is through doing, it's basically this really robust questionnaire. It's over 300 questions and it just asks them a bunch about a bunch of different signs and symptoms that they might be struggling with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really helps to be able to uncover, okay, you know what? I think there's some issues with your gallbladder. And then I think we're having some issues with your central nervous system. And, you know, like it kind of really guides our conversation. So we can see first and foremost, if we can identify that big boulder to your overall health first, right. and then we can move forward from there. Um, right. So with that, and while meeting with people one-on-one, I, I did find that there were so many things I was seeing over and over again. Um, <laughs> and it, it didn't matter like where they were coming from, right? That they might've already been eating a really great whole foods diet, but they maybe needed some additional help with, you know, these few random things. And, and I, so I designed this group class that I'm launching September 12th to really, with that in mind of all of these things that I felt like it's so important to have all these different conversations in addition to looking at each individual person and helping them to identify their big boulders. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's why I developed this. So it's a lot of like, you know, for example, with digestion, um, and, and I love this about when you said that Sarah eats lunch alone, like with digestion, you know, how, how many of us have typically have our lunch, like walking around, you know, reacting to all these different things. Like we're not sitting and pausing and interacting with our food and priming digestion and chewing slowly and putting our fork down in between bites. Like we're just, we're just cramming it in. We're probably driving somebody home from something and, you know, we're about to jump to something else. And, um, so really taking, that time was what I wanted this group class to help me be able to do taking that time with each individual person and then also having a lot of accountability. So like, um, you know, I, I think we have just as much to learn from each other as anybody has to learn from me. And so I, I really wanted to have a format where we open, open the floor up for that. Um, right. So, you know, with just facilitated guided conversations and we're going to do a book club together. Um, I, I love the, you know, knowledge is power. And the more that we know about why mm-hmm. it's important to make these choices, the easier they get in our day-to-day life, even when it's really it's in health books picked out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first um, group class we're going to read um, In Defense of Food by Michael Pollan. Are you familiar oh, yeah. with that one? 
Yeah, it's so it's so good. I've read at least one of his books. His writing is so fun. Yes. Yeah. 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 And he does a really good job of helping us understand why a lot of the predominant thoughts in food are the way that they are. Like, why am I afraid to eat fat? Why do I think red meat is bad? Right. Like he really, he does a very good job of helping you not feel attacked, but also like realizing like you've been gypped, like somebody told you a lie and we believed it for generations and this is what we're left with. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be really fun to read the book together and have that accountability too. At least one person I know got pregnant after we did this group class and we were particularly talking about healthy fats and she had a nutritionist background and you could see just from looking at her, she was not eating enough fat. She was so thin. Her skin was so dry. Yeah. And she had two girls and then she hadn't been able to get pregnant for, I don't Mm -hmm. know, eight or 10 years at that point. Next year she's pregnant. Wow. kind of needed she'd probably been hearing it and she just needed another few people to tell her that she had permission to do that and yes. it made a difference so yes oh that's so beautiful I, I i talk to women about that a lot too like those sex hormones are not going to get created in your body if you're not feeding it good healthy cholesterol to to make those hormones with so that's awesome Um, sorry, I got okay. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I I find that I've told so many women is to consider whether they're sensitive to dairy because it seems like that's yeah. such a common thing, and dairy is such a big part of our food culture in America. I'm not sure it's the yes. same. I don't think it is quite the same. Um, yeah. Also, I think dairy is different in other cultures, yeah. countries. For sure. everything I've heard, dairy is it hits you differently when Americans go to Europe. They're like, Oh, dairy's fine for me in Europe. I don't yes, know. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, I just today was telling someone about that. She has terrible yeah. cramps. I always had terrible cramps. I'm like, well, you should consider this, you know? Yeah. 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 It's so true. Yeah. Gluten's the same too. Um, I, I know me personally and lots of other people I know that can't eat gluten here, but going to Europe, um, it's amazing. It's weird. <laughs> like, Oh, I yeah. need this. I don't hurt. <laughs> yeah. <How> odd. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I find, I, I find myself telling people as, you know, there's a lot of really nutritious things that are just not in our culture to eat. Right. We eat the same foods over and over again. We all do. Yes. I yes. do. Yes. But there's, there's super nutritious foods that we don't grow up eating. Therefore they seem a little gross or expensive, or the taste is always just a little bit much like liver. Yeah oysters and sardines yeah and even maybe mushrooms you know maybe not liking them as a kid and so you don't want to buy them as adult you never learned how to cook with them and i i think that that is one of the biggest habit hurdles for people that when i'm talking to them about how to get a more nutrient dense diet they often don't really have a palate for a lot of those nutrient dense foods yes for sure yeah i love to um really stair step people into that stuff um because there's so much to that, um, you know, sprouting seeds and lacto-fermented foods and um, so much that can really benefit the the microbiome and all of these other issues that we're seeing with so many different health conditions. Um, I, for sure, I've been, I've been focusing more on hacks, but, um, but I, I, 
it's a good reminder, Jen, to like help people find ways to start to assimilate it more into their diet, because for sure that is in, in mushrooms. I mean, talk about an immune system booster. Um, they're so good for us. And, and how many people I see that need things like liver support, um, like their liver is just so stressed to the max. That's, that's one thing that, um, I talk to women a lot about when they're going through the perimenopause time um, with their estrogen levels just kind of going all over the place and they're not making enough progesterone, which is normal for perimenopausal time. Um, and then if our liver can't detoxify the estrogen we are making all the time, um, it's going to make those all of those, um, you know, breast tenderness, mood swings, um, heavier flows, all of that kind of stuff be even worse. We're going to feel worse. Um, and it's just going to get exacerbated and beef liver. Um, you know, other well-raised animals liver is just as, is very good too. Um, but beef liver is like one of the best foods for us to eat, to help optimize our own liver health. And yet how many people, when you say that, or I put it on a recommendation, I'm like, Oh dear, I'm sorry. You were eating cereal two meals a day. <laughs> like Now I'm trying to tell you to eat beef liver. <laughs> oh, you're muted, Jen. No, that's so true. They're not going to switch right over to frying up <laughs> liver. It's just, yeah. Yeah, we've got to just help them slowly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like things like sardines and oysters, but liver is usually too much for me. So I yeah. actually take the capsules if I want to have liver. Um, yes. Or yeah. pet is fine. But um, yeah. Yeah. So what are your hacks? If you're, if you're not, I mean, if you're, you're probably... I think that a lot of the moms I'm talking to, yeah. like these ladies, already have a pretty good sense. And so we're, you know, they're not probably not having cereal two, two meals a day. Yeah. I'm sure that we all have days like that. I have days yes. like that. But, um, so, but if you're, if, what are the kind of starter things that you're ta typically telling people? That maybe yeah. Tell if they're like, oh, I couldn't do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, it really is different from one person to the next, to be honest. I really try to look at the person I'm, you know, their lifestyle and what they're already doing and help them just, you know, so like, for example, if I was working with somebody that is already cooking a ton of stuff from scratch, like they're, they're eating the bulk of their meals at home. Um, and then we find that, yeah, there's a lot of bloating. There's some GI distress. Um, and we kind of dive deeper into what, what are they eating? Um, for example, like if somebody was saying, yeah, we do a lot with beans and they usually do canned beans. I would talk to them about the benefits of soaking beans overnight. And mm -hmm. if they're already doing that, still having some distress, you know, even sprouting beans, um, which mm -hmm. is actually a really neat way to stretch the grocery budget too, because you're adding a lot of protein into a food that um, it, it's not that beans are bereft of protein, um, but when we sprout them there, it, it really kind of just goes through the roof. Like it's amazing how much more nutrient dense beans become. So doing things like that um, with going back to organ meats. Um, so if, if the client I had, I was working with was somebody that usually got meat like from a butcher, um, then I would say, all right, let's, you know, first of all, be sure you're getting those organ meats. Um, and at the very least have those organ meats ground into your ground beef, right? right. Be sure that that's really getting um, into your diet. You're not going to notice the taste, but you will, right. your body will benefit from that. Um, and if that's not the case, um, Another thing that I love to do is I'll put beef liver in my Vitamix and blend mm -hmm. it up and put it in ice cube trays in my freezer. And then if I'm making like a pound of ground beef or three pounds of ground beef, I'll put like three or four ice cubes of liver in there too. And when it all mm -hmm. cooks up, you can't taste it in there. But again, I know that, um, 
I got it in there on the fly. Right. <laughs> Nobody complains. Yeah. What mom said she put a, a scoop in her meatball mix and nobody yes. knows. And she felt way better. It gave yes. her that thing she was expecting. Yeah. Yes, for sure. Yeah. I totally, I do that with my meatballs too. Um, yeah. Especially something like meatballs, like there's so much going on anyway, it's easy to just slide that in there. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like those are, those are the kind of things, like it's really a matter of, um, you know, what's, what's your pain point. Um, I had this l- lovely, adorable client who just moved to Arizona and she was drinking nowhere near enough water. And I said to her, girl, you need to go out and buy a really pretty water bottle and get some of those really cute Catholic stickers on there and just bring mm-hmm. it with you everywhere because you're so proud of how cute it is. And you just always have it with you, right? Like, <laughs> like these little simple things that you're like, why does this feel so hard, right? <laughs> yeah. I think when I teach the teenagers and we ask how people get water, usually the ones who are getting enough have cute water bottles. It's like yes. a habit. Or they have a habit of getting a cup of water every time they go through the kitchen. So yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I like, I mean, it fills my heart, you know, like it's so yeah. silly. It's a simple yeah. thing. Like this $20 water bottle <laughs> makes right. me so happy. Right. But it's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think all the ladies here are pretty fertile. Um, and I don't know, we've probably all tried different types of charting. I know that I realized mm. I, before I got married, I read the whole NFP book. Started yes. Started looking at my signs, but not taking my temperature because I wasn't organized enough to remember to take it every morning. Yeah. In effect, what I ended up doing was creatine because I was just, you know, watching mucus signs and they were pretty clear and my cycles were pretty regular. Sure. Um, But I I know that one of the things that creatine does really well is they talk about the emotional side of fertility. Because I remember my Mm -hmm. friend had a very difficult relationship with her mom said it was her Creighton practitioner that convinced her to tell her mom she wouldn't fly back to visit at Easter. And then she got, it had been over a year, but her whole life was just very busy and kind of amped up. I mean, I could tell she was underslept. Yeah. She was drinking coffee in the morning and it would cut her appetite and she wasn't eating enough food. So Mm -hmm. I could tell that on a really physical level. Yeah. Yeah. But it really seemed that the emotional piece was a deciding factor in taking her stress down a couple of notches, not anticipating this visit with a difficult parent. Yeah. And she made that decision, of course, six weeks ahead when she would have bought the ticket. And then next thing I hear, she's expecting. Wow. She'd been working on the nutrition and, you know, all of that. It was just very, very interesting, that piece of it. Yeah. That is amazing. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting how to, like, as you say, you know, the different methods, like I think, and this is why in, in different areas that I've lived, um, I feel like there's, there's this awkward, like, almost like hostility to different methods, right? Like, no, I'm a market person, <laughs> like, it doesn't matter, right? Like it's all going to help us at different times and different places and different women. Um, yeah. and, and I, I do, um, uh, one thing I really appreciate, um, and, and I think this is talked about in other methods too, um, but one thing with Creighton I, I really do like is that um, they kind of talk about like how stress impacts your cycle preemptively. Mm-hmm. So really like being tuned into that. And I think that's where a lot of those conversations can come up then as a result, mm-hmm. because you're already asking them, checking in with them. How is your stress level? Like that was a weird cycle. What was going on? Um, mm-hmm. and, and the things that I've had people share with me just from those simple prompts of, um, you know, it, it's, um, it can be really 
really heavy stuff that people are going through. And, and one thing that I always say, I'm, I'm so thankful that I, I don't have to try to cut through the small stuff to like actually have authentic relationships with these couples um, mm-hmm. because the Lord does that, right? Like just, I mean, just by the nature of what we're discussing, but, um, but then I know specifically so well how to pray for somebody that I may never have known of these, you know, very heavy crosses that they're carrying. Um, so it's, it's a really, yeah, it's a, for sure a very unique, um, beautiful encounter to be able to have that for sure. Yeah. And so then you're tying what you've, known and seen with Creighton and charting and all that. And then into the more nutritional suggestions, which you're now licensed to give because you've got like a certification. Um, Are there certain patterns? Because I think the ladies in this group, I think where we've probably experienced the most irregularity in our cycles has probably been postpartum. For sure. I don't know. We could get some hands raised and see if that's been the case, but um, where the signs are most difficult to interpret. um, Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to avoid or just trying to understand when your next period is going to be so you can plan a trip or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And so I don't, I don't know. Um, I'd be curious what advice you end up giving ladies, because I usually tell people you have a nursing threshold for where your fertility is going to come back. And it's different for everybody. And it can change over time how yeah. much and, and stocked up you are in nutrients. Yeah. But sometimes when your cycle's kind of coming and going, or you have mucus signs coming and going, coming and going, never quite get your period, it yeah. seems to me you're just kind of dancing right on the edge or right back and forth from that threshold. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I imagine you see particular things in the charts, that, and then you give people sp- specific advice. Sometimes I just tell my friends, you've got to either nurse less or more, but you're yeah. probably kind of right on the line right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful, Jen. I love that. Um, the threshold analogy, that's beautiful because it, it's so true. And, and I think too, um, something that we also don't consider there is our own, um, our own fat stores, right? Like there, there's just, mm-hmm. there can be differences with that too, if we're going to start cycling again or not. Um, for sure. I think in, in what we often see is the, the first three cycles, back are the worst. They are just, and I always tell people when they have their sweet little newborn baby and they just want to refresh it before they're really getting started in charting again. I'm like, okay, so just so you know, it might be a year, it might be two years from now, but when you have your first cycle, those first three months are you're just going to hate NFP more than you ever will in your entire life. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what happens at that time. And so be prepared. Um, but I think too, because of the tendency for our thyroid to really have that um, drop off in that like three to seven month postpartum time, um, right. I, I think that makes it a lot more difficult too. So Mm -hmm. some things that I see that, um, like if I saw these things on a chart, I would be like, okay, I really think we should talk about, because I I do keep these two businesses still pretty separate, to be honest, uh, because of the way Creighton is very standardized. Um, I'll, I'll have some conversations like, you know, I'll, one of the th- questions I ask women when they're making observations is, do you, um, how often do you have a bowel movement? And so if they say mm-hmm. things like, oh, once every four days, I'm like, all right, honey, so let's take some magnesium. <laughs> like, let's talk about this, right? Yeah. Um, so there are things that kind of open the door to that um, where I'm able to like kind of help guide them a little more than I would have. But in general, like women will meet with me for like these two separate things. Okay. Um, 
So that being said, like some things, if I saw it on the charting that I would be like, this really might be a good idea for you, um, would be things like if their chart was really difficult to read where they're fertile and infertile, and this Mm -hmm. would be outside of those, that three month time. So, um, during that three month time, it tends to get better by that third or fourth cycle. All of a sudden things start to fall back into place. Um, if like I I had a woman who, um, she was five months postpartum with her third and after like four or five months of charting. And this is when I was just going through my nutritional therapy program. She still could not figure out where she was fertile and infertile. And they had like two days a month that they could use and feel confident that they weren't fertile. It was, it was horrible. Right. Yeah. And my, my heart just broke for this poor woman. And, um, and then I, you know, I started telling her about nutritional therapy and then she started sharing, Oh yeah, well, I'm nauseous every morning. And I have, you know, this terrible skin helps stuff and like, but nobody Um, had said, you know, let's really take this focused effort at your gut. And she really needed some gallbladder support. And when we started to get her health stuff under wraps, she -hmm. started to get her charting was really easy to see like, Oh, I'm fertile. No, I'm not like, so it's really been beautiful to see that. Cause a lot of times what I will do is, um, with somebody that is already charting, um, I'll have them like send me their chart at the beginning of a package a one-on-one package and then Mm -hmm. a chart at the end. And it's really neat to walk them through because sometimes in our own bodies, right. We can't always see these marked differences. Um, so I like, sometimes our husband's like, I don't know, you've just seen tired lately. Right. Or you just seem Mm -hmm. like you're doing better lately. Um, we Mm -hmm. need that external input, especially when we're moms with a lot going on. Um, so it's really neat to kind of walk them through the charting and say like, don't you see this? Isn't this amazing? Like we're seeing Mm -hmm. this pattern here and this pattern here. Um, and another one that I see a lot of that, um, would make me think more like, um, nutritional therapy could really be beneficial for you is we have like a yellow stamp protocol where, um, basically like if you see mucus all cycle long, you can still figure out, you know, what's normal fertility versus what's just kind of the stuff you see all the time. Um, and I think this is pretty common after lots of babies too. So being able to, um, like reduce inflammation in the gut can actually help clean up that chart and need, um, less yellow stamps, which is super cool. Um, that is so, so interesting. Yeah. 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 In Asian medicine, they call that leaking fluids when you have oh. kind of mucus at times the where it doesn't signal, yeah. but they, yeah. they describe it as a sign of being fatigued and worn out and all the <laughs> parts of your body aren't cinched up tight the way they are, which is all true. Right. For sure. So (laughs) that's awesome. I've had some friends, I think have their mucus signs get more clear just from getting back on their regular multivitamins too. And just getting, getting that little boost. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think just being able to have all those cofactors that we need to be able to do what our body needs to do, um, which essentially is the cycle, right? Where it's anti-inflaming throughout the month and inflaming during menstruation. And that like when we, sometimes when we think of it that way, we realize how much more impactful that can be to have like a good quality supplement to help um, navigate through that. Mm -hmm. So are you most commonly recommending vitamins or like, um, like ginger and basil and turmeric or what are yeah yeah good question probiotics or what yeah so i really like to do it through food first um so i do recommend supplements especially like um so so something like 
like a gallbladder. If you need, if your gallbladder really needed a lot of support, um, you know, for whatever reason we discovered that, um, something like beets is really helpful and beneficial for, um, optimizing your gallbladder function. And so we might, um, talk about, you know, how can you make your own beet kvass or having some type of lacto fermented beets that you could just eat a little bit of every day because it really does need to be an everyday thing. Um, and then I'll have women that say, okay, I'm, I'm going to be traveling for a week. And so what do I do then? And so then I'll talk about the supplements and that kind of thing. Um, you know, really just as, as more of that backup. And then I have other women that are just feeling terrible. And, um, so I'll say, you know, this is really what I want you to be doing. I want you to focus on these things. You can also do this supplement to accelerate it, but I really want them to, um, to get these amazing cooking skills that we've really lost in our, in our culture, because like you said, like these foods haven't become a mainstay in our families anymore. It's not skills that we're getting passed on to us. Um, you know, hopefully we're passing them on to our, our kids kids, but they may not have been given us to in the first place. And so we feel a bit lost. I remember the first time I made liver pate and my whole family was like, what did mom just do? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, mom. Oh, there she goes again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I think like, I really love that being able to help people have the skills and the resources and trying to do that through food. So if you need some more um, liver support, I'm going to give you a list of foods that are really going to be best to optimize liver health um, and go Mm -hmm. forward from there first. Do you, do you find yourself um, recommending specific cookbooks or just websites with recipes? Yeah, I have a few favorite websites that I really like. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge cookbook person anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like to have them. They're so pretty, but. <laughs> yeah, I know. I end up just Googling it. Yeah. yeah. There's some really yummy paleo websites that are, are, have so many good recipes and some of them are really easy. Some of them are really complex, but. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I love, I love having that, like the, the simpler ones that are really yummy and I feel like I can send them some tried and true recipes and um, share those. Yeah. I'd love to hear your favorite ones, Jen. Oh, I don't, I mean, the, the thing my kids have been jonesing for all week apparently is pouring heavy cream over frozen raspberries, (laughs) but I think my five-year-old ate a cup of cream each day (laughs) for the last several days. And I'm like, what on earth? But she had this period of time where she was running a lot of fevers and I, I felt like she probably got a little bit of neurological, like myelin damage. So it's just like really kind of like twitchy when she got too excited. And I was like, Oh, we have epilepsy. Now I'm seeing her load up on cream and I'm like, maybe she's just putting that somewhere where it needs to go. And who knows why (laughs) cream every day, but you know, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, our kids, we've we've experimented with paleo-ish kind of things over the years, such that we do buy bread, but the kids also just like a lot of other things. Yeah. They really like hummus and vegetables and, oh, I don't know, just um, roast chicken and just, yeah, just a lot of, and we, we often get, um, well, they have bacon most mornings. It's not exactly a health food, but it does get them to eat more more protein in general. Cause I find that when my kids eat bacon, they eat more of the eggs. Yeah. It just makes the whole breakfast more interesting. Yeah. So I always encourage families to get breakfast protein or let their kids that don't like eggs have leftovers for breakfast. So they get more protein than if they just have cereal. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. In the, um, your adrenals need that protein boost in the morning more than anything. So anytime you have that like energy dip, which I, I do think that's common for moms too, um, is to beef up the protein in the morning breakfast and lunch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Do you, do ladies have any questions you want to type in the chat and just get Rita's take on stuff? No. Um, I think Sarah, you mentioned that one of your kids had more food sensitivities that you were tackling a while back, just kind of troubleshooting that. Um, and I know Sarah Mori's son had a, a jaw injury. So his, he couldn't chew for about six weeks. So, you know, when you're 17, it's very hard to fill up on smoothies and you're just sick to death of them. <laughs> so he, I was teaching a class and he just got his, you know, he can use his jaw again. He's so excited to be eating food. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah Julie says, what yeah. would a sign, what would be a sign of a gallbladder problem? Yeah. So, um, a lot of times with the gallbladder, so the gallbladder is necessary in breaking down fats in our food. So if you ate something that was really fat heavy and you, um, had, sometimes it's an acute pain where your gallbladder is, which is on, okay, let me remember. I think it's on the right hand side, you guys (laughs) on the right or the left, right below your lungs. Um, so if you feel like a sharp shooting pain around there, um, that can be indicative of gallbladder. If you just notice uncomfortable digestion after eating something like avocados or, you know, bacon or, um, something else that's really fatty, that can be a sign. Um, another one is pain radiating up in the shoulder blade behind your gallbladder. Um, that can be a sign. Um, yeah, there it is. Yep. For sure. Julie. Be new. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Um, and, and honestly, I would say too, when you're feeling that and you haven't had any gallbladder attacks, um, I would really suggest just try to eat beets daily. Um, so, you know, roasting them. I love to do lacto-fermented beets because it, it also is shelf-stable for so much longer, right? Or in our fridge, um, we can just grab a couple tablespoons um, a few times throughout the day and that's really going to help support your gallbladder health. So I would try by that. Um, and then there are some other steps that you can take to help support your gallbladder bladder. Um, for sure. Um, always feel free to reach out to me with any questions on that, but you know, if, if they're, if you're told at your doctor that the only option is to get your gallbladder replaced, there really is a lot that we can do through nutrition and lifestyle to support that before that happens. Yeah. Yeah. I've always understood that hydration and kind of acidic foods were really helpful for that. Yeah. Yeah. So acidic foods and um, bitters in particular are really helpful for getting your um, bile salts. Um, So bile salts are, um, okay, stored in the gallbladder. (laughs) Slow down. Um, Yes. And then that's what's going to emulsify the fats. So if you don't have enough bile salts being made, or if your digestion doesn't know, if your digestive process doesn't know to release those bile salts, that can also be a problem. Um, so what about kombucha? I would say, um, I mean, kombucha is really great. I, I love kombucha, but not specifically for supporting gallbladder. When I say bitters, I'm thinking more like, um, arugula radishes, um, you know, think of anything that has that bitter, you know, the, the white on lemon. So you could do like lemon water. You could actually, they have a supplement just called bitters that you just put a few drops into your water and that would prime digestion apple cider vinegar, um, before a meal would be really good too. So yeah, those can help a lot. 
And um, would coffee and chicory also fall into that? And that's, is that part of why some people are drawn? I've, I've heard this theory that many people are drawn to bitter drinks like coffee because they don't have enough bitter foods like arugula in their diet. Maybe this is more of a, like an Asian way of looking at it. They say we need the bitter flavor, but we don't eat enough of it in American food. But coffee yeah. is our bitter thing that we have. Yeah, for sure. I think I would just say that the vast majority of people I know don't drink coffee as a bitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a frappuccino. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. 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 Like if they're not drinking it black, then yeah, right. <laughs> <what's going on? laughs> yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anybody else have any questions? I don't have any questions, but it's just been fascinating to listen to. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, actually, I'm sure I have questions. I just can't think of them right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah's experimented over the years with some things um, like inositol. And I don't remember, Sarah, what, what made you initially take it, if it was for blood sugar, but then no. you made you feel much calmer? No, I, I had a naturopath recommend it for sleep, actually. Okay. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. did help my sleep, but I noticed it helped so many other things. Like I was just, I felt like I could think before I reacted, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I, I'm, I'm kind of maybe hot-headed. I guess is an easy way to describe it, but all of a sudden I was much calmer and could like, process something before I just flew off the handle. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah. it definitely helped my sleep. I did feel like it helped my blood sugar. Um, yeah. So that, that was super, super helpful. Um, just yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so we, yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking too, Sarah, like you're a lot of times when we have poor sleep, um, you know, other than the, the babies or kids keeping us up at night, it can also be correlated back to blood sugar dysregulation. Um, and myonositol, especially in the NAPRO world is used a lot for things like PCOS, which is primarily a metabolic disorder where we're having a lot of dysfunction with blood sugar regulation, um, generally insulin resistance develops. So that really can help that. Um, and I would, I would almost even wonder, like, it'd be kind of cool. Like if you could kind of go back and see like your blood sugar levels before and after, like, I wonder, if part of that is when our blood sugar is all over the place, we do tend to be more reactive, right? So um, I'm curious how much of that was time back. That's super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, right now, do you have any tips for just, um, I'm, let's see, my baby's four months old. Okay. It's baby number 12. Um, really struggling with just losing any weight. Okay. Um, where would you start with something like that? I mean, I eat a pretty good diet. Like I'm listening to some of the things you, you're talking about and I'm, I'm definitely not into eating beets and stuff like that, but I do take supplements. I do eat good protein. Um, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you, um, what kind of, like, do you walk or do any like, you yeah. know, exercise yeah. aside from taking care of 12 kids? I, <laughs> I walk, I've been doing a little, um, hand weights here and there. Good. Um, yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I'm definitely not sitting on the couch all day. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I'm sure you're not. Um, those are my two favorite, like 
walking and, and weightlifting actually are my two absolute favorites. Um, I really think that helps us to, you know, rebuild that muscle, especially when we have a lot of pregnancies, um, pregnancy, and then breastfeeding, uh, both of those things really cause our muscles to kind of become more lax. We're giving so much of our body to another body. (laughs) Um, we really need to rebuild those muscles. Um, so for sure, I think, you know, consistently and, and honestly, I find for me, and it sounds like you've already got somewhat of a routine down, but, um, when my husband started working from home during COVID, that was a game changer for us. So what we try to do is we try to go for a walk daily and it ends up being like five times a week. Um, but every time we go for a walk, we do two or three miles and it's just really helpful for us, not only to reconnect and like, that gives you time to be more than like, so-and-so has to be here at this time and there, and then I'm going to do this and I'll see you later. Right. It also lets us like tap into our relationship and what's really going on in our hearts. Um, but also like as we get talking, we usually walk faster. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And so I think that distraction, right? So maybe that's a podcast for you that you really love. And you're like, I'm only going to listen to it when I'm doing this one thing. Um, but I would, I would for sure say like, try to, you know, do the best that you can with um, your lifestyle and where you're at, but try to get like a mile, two miles. Um, and, and even if it's only 15 minutes, three times a week, I think yeah, sometimes I- that, that could be the benefit enemy of the great right yeah um i I think that's pretty much where we're at we we'll we'll, we definitely walk and it's it's usually three to four times a week for about 20 minutes or so so probably over a mile each time yeah yeah Uh, and then i would just say like Mm -hmm. take those little things and like then just tweak it right like so um so if you can't go a little longer can you go a little faster um, yeah. you know, like with your weights, if you can't do it more often, can you just do a little heavier? Um, those little tweaks will eventually make a big difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rita, do you suggest, um, any specific protein targets for nursing? I always, I have tended to feel that it's difficult to stay on top of just getting enough calories. Yes. Nursing. If you're mostly eating whole foods, the calories just don't add up that fast. Yes. For sure. Um, so in general with protein, I like to talk a little more with ratios than grams, um, because everybody's going to be a little different with that. But, um, with protein in general, we want to be sure that our protein is like 20 to 35%. Um, and, and this is another thing for Sarah too. Um, I would also try to increase your protein content. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you asked me that question, Jen, but I would really say like with breastfeeding, um, trying to, trying to be like, you know, more like 25 to 35, um, you know, really trying to increase that, um, I, I think sometimes we feel like it's cheating if we have like a good quality protein shake, but I don't want you to get caught up in that kind of like mindset thing. Like, I, I think that that is really helpful. And the reality is in this season, like sometimes that's just the best way to do it. Um, sometimes like when I'm going somewhere and I'm going to gone for a few hours, I know I'm going to get hungry. I'll keep a protein shake just mixed in water in my car. It doesn't matter if it's cold or hot out, right? Like later, I know I'll be able to have something that like calms me down and lets me get additional amounts of protein. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's really, that's really helpful to maintaining that muscle mass during, um, lactation. Okay. Let's see, Julie had a question. I, I, this is reminding me after one of my pregnancies, my parents bought me a bunch of protein shakes and it was, it was great. Awesome. It was, yeah, I would never have bought it for myself. <laughs> like yeah. how much they cost, but they tasted yes. good. Yeah. Yes. That's so cool. I love that they did that. That's a great idea. 
So Julie asked about perimenopause support through foods. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so as I mentioned before, like your estrogen levels are kind of, I like to think of it as progesterone. Um, so progesterone really inhibits estrogen. So you can kind of think of it as like, right, this cat and mouse game. So, um, if the cat's gone or the cat's getting old, <laughs> like it's going to lay around more and then the mouse starts to go crazy. Um, so what can we do to kind of support the cat, if you will? Um, so I would say first and foremost, like we need to be sure, like I said before, that our liver is working optimally. Um, so some things that are really supportive for our liver health are antioxidants. So berries in general, green tea tea. Um, and with green tea, like the more, the more you steep it, the more antioxidants you're going to get in your cup. Um, uh, organ meats are really helpful. And so are the cruciferous vegetables. So like cabbage, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, cauliflower, um, broccoli sprouts. Those are all really, really good, um, for helping support liver health. And then, um, in terms of, um, oh, I was going to say one other thing. Oh, I would also be sure that you're getting adequate levels of magnesium, um, especially since, you know, that can be a real issue that sleep kind of goes out the window as well. And as we rest and recharge, that's when our body is able to make progesterone. Progesterone causes us. That's why like first trimester, we tend to get really sleepy. It causes us to be sleepy, but it also, um, when it goes away, it tends to really disrupt our sleep patterns, um, which is, you know, this terrible catch 22. So really doing um, things to de-stress if you can, and then making sure you're getting enough magnesium. So your body has everything it needs to be able to make adequate levels of progesterone. Yeah, this this discussion makes me think of that the Lara Bryden picture of yes. progesterone that kind of like I will pull it up real quick because it's just it really is worth a thousand words here. Uh, <laughs> I love her stuff. I don't think I've seen the picture. There, of like, so then you're the the progesterone is the blue and it's dropping and then it rises sometimes, but the estrogen is like whoa. Yes, for oh. sure. But interestingly, yeah. since I'm teaching teenagers, you know, some of that can happen in the, on the front end too. For sure. To their moodiness. Yes, for sure. Yeah. And, and with that too, like a particularly with teenagers, and I'm sure you talk about this, Jen, in your class, but um, focusing on managing their blood sugar levels is going to help to mm -hmm. stave off some of that as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are, that's great. That's a great list of stuff. Thanks. Um, to try. Yeah. And I, I always um, tell the girls and I know we moms have talked about this, that progesterone is made as the same ingredients that your body makes cortisol with. And so if you're mm -hmm. your body doesn't leave a bunch of proge extra progesterone and short your cortisol, it just, it just puts more through all the way to being cortisol. It yeah. Doesn't leave it. And so, yeah, I, I think that's why some people have to be on bed rest to stay pregnant so that they yeah. can maintain enough progesterone so yeah yeah for sure and and honestly that's one of the first things i i talk to women with infertility about too is that stress management piece be, because of that yeah that's awesome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah does anybody else have any questions it's uh yeah i'm sure i'm sure we did i will be talking more maybe she'll pop in yeah. group or something but um but it seems yeah. like this is something that we've probably all done to some extent, you know, 
every lady here has probably given some friends some advice based on different things we've you know, all experimented with. Um, I know Sarah's endorsement of inositol made me think of it for my sister who was feeling really stressed. Mm -hmm. And she'd gone to the doctor and gotten all this blood work. And then they told her she probably wasn't fertile and she probably wasn't gonna be able to have any more kids. And then she started taking inositol and some other vitamins. And the next time she visited the doctor, she was pregnant, but he had this whole packet prepared where he thought it was going to be a year long process to get her fertility maybe back. And it had wow. just actually only taken a couple of months. Mm -hmm. He just laughed and said, well, I don't know what your sister told you to take, but you can just tell her that it worked. <laughs> but I think mostly I was trying to help her feel calmer. Right. It's not that she already had a few kids. I, I thought, well, at least regardless of how this plays out, I would like her to feel calmer and sleep better and, and right. have her be steady. And then I'll, you know, and then nature took its course. So yes, of course. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. That's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, All right. Yeah. I, yeah. Thanks for coming, Julie. No. All right. Um, well, we should probably wrap up so everybody can get back to our, our kids. Yes. Our kids. Um, <laughs> but thanks so much for getting on, Rita. And yes, um, do you have any last, last questions? This was great. I'm sure I'll have questions again. I, I would. Um, oh, thank you, Rita, to come back and talk to us another time. Oh, thank yeah. you, Sarah. I appreciate that. And your website, Rita, is naturalfertilitycare.org? Yes, that's correct. Okay. I'll put yeah. it in the chat. And yeah, But yeah, it's pretty clear. If you just type in Natural Fertility Care Rita Johnson, you'll find it. So Yes. Yes, for sure. Thank you so much, ladies, for having me come and listening to me today. It was wonderful talking with you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. I love it. Me. Keep fighting the good fight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think people will visit your site and get on your mailing list and stuff. So okay, great. Thank you, Jen. Yeah. Take care. Ladies.